Welcome to the Compliance Time AML and Financial Crime Podcast. Here, you can learn from compliance experts, enthusiasts and creators who are contributing to the fast-moving and dynamic field of financial compliance. Hello everyone and welcome to Compliance Time. In this episode, we will talk about something we use every day for business and in our personal life. We use this to register for stuff, to communicate, to exchange documents and more. You probably guessed we'll be talking about email and more precisely about its security. Did you know that business email compromise is one of the most financially damaging online crimes? Phishing, spear phishing, spoofing, whaling, email compromise, malware, all have email nexus. Guest on the show is Seth Blank, the Chief Product Officer of Valimail. Seth is a serial entrepreneur and startup executive with multiple acquisitions under his belt. He shared with us so many interesting examples about email security and fraudulent tactics. To mention briefly about Valimail, it is the global leader in zero-trust email solutions, inventing hosted DMARC in 2015 and introducing DMARC as a service in 2021. You may ask what DMARC is? Well, listen to our conversation with Seth and you will surely find out. Check out the show notes for more information on Valimail. And now, let's hear from Seth. Hi, Seth, and welcome to Compliance Time. Uh, I'm very happy to have a discussion today about emails, about fraud, about uh, financial crimes, and um, a little bit to learn a little bit more about Valley Mail. Wonderful. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's, it's my pleasure. So uh, let's start by um, talking a little bit about yourself and your career path. Sure. So I'm Seth Blank. I am the Chief Technology Officer at Valamail. Uh, I've actually held several positions in Valamail. I started actually doing all our external work with uh, partners, government agencies, uh, industry groups to work on uh, bringing the email and email security to the forefront of the industry and compliance. And my career has been uh, in a lot of places. I've been focused heavily on infrastructure needs of businesses, of of developers, of engineers, of IT managers, of compliance officials at all different stages. And the past five years at Valamel, I've been in the meaty center of the largest mail systems on the planet, all basically having things like GDPR and CCPA reach into the inner workings of the ecosystem and twist in a really powerful and positive way that's really, really meaningful for consumers and their data protection, but is kicked up a lot of compliance needs that haven't actually been at the forefront before. And so there's just a a lot going on in the ecosystem now to protect consumers from fraud in larger and more powerful ways with less data to do that with. And so it's a really exciting time to be in email uh, and to be looking at email from a compliance perspective for organizations. Yes, uh, it's certainly interesting now knowing how much 
fraud and crime can occur through email. So, but, but before we go into that, uh, just with few words, can you tell us if, imagine that you're talking with uh, someone that doesn't know at all what uh, Valimeo is, just how would you describe what it does and what is its mission? Absolutely. So Valimail is the global leader in email authentication and, and helping businesses get their authentication in place to protect themselves, their consumers, uh, and their employees from fraud and basically from brand abuse, spoofing and phishing of their domains. Uh, and there's every year there's a new Verizon data breach report or some other data breach report. And the numbers are scarily consistent. It's always between 90 and 95% of cyber attacks in any given year of business email compromise and financial fraud starts from fraudulent email and ex explicitly from spear phishing of companies. And the most potent vector for that is when someone can impersonate you. If, you, if your name can be used, your email address can be used, then someone can hijack all the trust that you've built in yourself, in your brand, and walk away with money from your company or your customers. And there's a really powerful way to stop that known as DMARC. And that's what Valamel specializes in. And not nearly enough people are using it. And that's why I'm so excited to talk to you and your listeners about the powerful protections uh, that are in place for them or that they can take advantage of. Can you please tell us, uh, DMARC, is it an abbreviation? And if yes, what it stands for? <laughs> yes, it's a mouthful. It stands for <laughs> Domain-Based Message uh, uh, Alignment Reporting and Conformance. Um, and it is a protocol that was actually developed, uh, it was an industry effort uh, that was actually led by PayPal due to financial fraud of their customers uh, and PayPal in conjunction with Yahoo and Google and several other large industry players about a decade ago. Um, the story as it goes, and you know, take this with a grain of salt, but was basically PayPal consumers were losing $40 million a month in the late 2000s to scammers pretending to be PayPal, sending links and walking away with customers' money. And PayPal said, this is insane. This is deeply damaging our reputation and our ability to transact and do good business on behalf of our customers. How can we stop this? And it was about a two-year data investigation between PayPal, some other organizations, and the largest mailbox providers on earth to figure out what are the signals that show if a message is actually authentic or is being driven by a scammer. And they, what they learned became the underpinnings of DMARC, which is now a standard. There's an uh, IETF RFC, and it is implemented by 100% of US mail providers, most European providers, I think 75 to 80% of, of receivers all over the earth. And all that it does is it makes sure that when someone sends mail from your domain, from a paypal.com, a valamail.com, right? That 
the male is actually from that organization and not someone trying to spoof that organization. Um, because spoofing is actually free and easy. And when it's free and easy, attackers take huge advantage of it. And that's why BEC, especially BEC, that's domain hijacking based, is such a plague right now. And not enough companies are doing what it takes to protect their emailing domains. And so they're wide open for all sorts of business email compromise and other types of fraud and cyber attacks, ransomware, et cetera. Um, and there, there's real things that you can do to stop that. Wow, yeah. Um, I didn't know that it's easy to spoof someone. What, what, does, uh, what does it mean it's easy? How come it's easy? <laughs> now, now you so, threw me into, into the... Sure. The... So, so the, the truth of the matter is email was never designed for how it's used today. When, when email first came about in the 70s, it was used between academics who knew each other on systems that knew each other, right? Trust was inherent in the system because no one was in the system except for a few people. And no one foresaw the scale of the internet or how foundational to business and transacting business email would become. And so when email was developed, it did what it was supposed to do. It helped people who knew each other send mail to each other. And then the internet took off. And the late 90s, early 2000s, if anyone remembers their inbox back then, was completely full of garbage because you could pretend to send mail as anyone from anyone. And two things happened around 2003. We got the first law about this, which was CAN spam, which came out of the US Congress. And we got the very first email authentication protocol called Sender Policy Framework or SPF. And all that SPF aimed to do was allow senders of email to say, hey, here are the mail systems I send email from. They come from, I send mail from these IP addresses. And if you get mail that's not from this IP range, then here's what to do about it. And it was really, um, it was the first attempt. It was an overly complex protocol. It is still the most widely used protocol. Um, in the ecosystem, um, but it started this chain of actually making changes to how email functions to start to layer in authentication. But we call this email's original thing, uh, email's original sin, that there was no concept of trust built into email. There's no authentication. And without authentication, you can pretend to be anyone. So to send a spoofed email, you just connect to any mail system. You give the email address you want. You type in the message and off it goes. And that message will deliver uh, unless that domain is protected by DMARC. And that is existential, uh, I think, for most everyone. We get tremendous herd immunity as an ecosystem when the majority of domains have DMARC in place because it protects you and it acts as a vaccine for the rest of the ecosystem because your domain cannot be used to do abusive things, commit fraud against other people. Uh, and the more domains that have that, 
you then end up with a playing field where you either have domains with strong authentication or you have domains that don't. And then you can just pay attention to domains that have strong authentication. Because if you receive an email from fisher.com and you know it's from fisher.com, then you can take really strong action against that message the same way if you know what's from ibm.com and you're doing business with IBM and you want that message, right? Knowing the validated identity of the center is paramount to good security and frankly, good compliance. Yeah, that, that's, that's really good. And what you said that is so important also for financial institutions and the ones dealing with um, financial information of their customers, right? Because um, the scammers, they will often target banks as well and as PayPal as well, it's a financial services provider, that they would try to steal the money because that, that they're where the money is. Or as you mentioned, I think Huber um, as one of the, the customers because they also have financial data of their users. So... Um, how can we rebuild this uh, trust um, in communication and email? I mean, not, maybe rebuild, it's not the right word, but, you know, uh, reinforce. I think that's exactly the right question, right? We, email is where businesses transact and especially where they transact with consumers. One of the latest stats from the, the major mailbox providers is that 90% of email by volume is business to consumer. Um, and the other 10% is business to business and consumer to consumer, right? And so email is a channel where businesses transact with people. Um, and we have to rebuild trust because consumers aren't talking to themselves. They're, they're going to things like WhatsApp and Messenger and Signal, um, places where you know definitively who you're talking to. And that trust doesn't exist in email without DMARC. And to a consumer, they can't tell the difference. Um, and there's a new thing called Vimy, which we should talk about later, that helps a consumer start to learn that difference, but it's not widely adopted yet. Um, and so to, to build trust, we need a playing field of trust, which means we need people doing DMARC. And I like to, I, I like to talk about DMARC with a house analogy and a front door analogy, right? If we know that 91% to 95% of cyber attacks, right? Ransomware, malware, data exfiltration, et cetera, a business email, account, right? Start from spear phishing then, and we know the most potent vector for spear phishing is actually just impersonating the person that you want, right? This was, this happened, I believe in 2016 to Seagate, right? Someone impersonated uh, um, uh, an entity to Seagate CFO and the CFO sent the entire organization's W2 records to this bad actor, oh. right? And then they were, Seagate was sued by its own employees for $25 million. Like the compliant, you set, you just sent all the tax information, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, social security numbers and everything to a bad actor. It just walked out the door because the email wasn't locked down. Um, this happens all the time. And to rebuild trust and to protect that compliance nightmare is you've got to start 
by saying, where do I send email? What domains do I own that don't send email, but my consumers or employees might not know and protect them all. So only your organization can send emails. And then the threat surface starts to fall away. And then you can laser focus in the areas that matter. So for the house analogy, right? This is a front door, right? Authentication, DMARC, this isn't a panacea. It's the very first thing you do, right? When you're a compliance professional, you're going to have risk everywhere, but you stack rank it. You look at your, you analyze the risk and you start with the biggest risk and you move down the list. And so if you have a house and you don't have a front door, you've now got to look at every corner. Where do you need cameras? Where do you need screeners? Where do you need motion detectors? What file cabinets need what level of locks? But you have to protect everything from everybody. But if you have a front door and you know who has keys to that front door, now you've got a different class of problem, right? Now it's, hey, does this person from accountant really need access to the CFO's file cabinet? Maybe, maybe not. Does he need access to the CEOs? Probably not. But you get to role-based access controls. And you still have the question, well, what about the windows? What about that trellis which goes up to the balcony on the second floor, right? There's, it's always a layered approach. But if the front door is wide open, you have to protect everything from everyone. And if you close the front door and know who has access to it, now you can have a much tighter, more targeted approach that has the right tools for the right situation. Uh, and frankly, that concept is the core of zero trust and why that messaging and that security model is picking up so much steam, right? Assume no one has access to anything, validate who the person is. And then if you know who they are, then you can assign proper roles and permissions in the next level of screening. That's, that's really great analogy. I like how, um, um, how well you explained really the protection of the organization and the house analogy. Now with COVID, we have a lot of uh, cases related to fraud and um, many uh, business email compromises, spoofing and et cetera. How we can best protect our organization and is AI, for example, security sufficient to protect ourselves? Sure. So, so I, I will come out and say AI is not sufficient to protect yourselves, not because it isn't deeply valuable, but because it's part of a layered approach and authentication is foundational, like authentication is the front door. Um, and if I move from a house analogy to an airport, right, the very first thing that happens at an airport is your ID gets checked and it gets matched to a ticket. And if either you don't have ID or the ID can't be validated or you don't have a ticket that matches the ID, you don't get to the scanner. You don't get to all the security professionals around the airport or the train staff watching for suspicious things. You're just, you're done. Um, and that's what's truly critical here is a layered approach starts with strong authentication. A zero trust approach starts with strong authentication. And then AI is a deeply powerful tool 
um, to refine and improve and do things that humans aren't good at. But for especially from a compliance perspective, right, you need definitive things that you can say you do and that you can show how they're done and prove they meet uh, the appropriate requirements and regulations. And authentication is binary and deterministic. Someone passed or they didn't, and you know exactly why. And then there's, okay, this email is from Seth, but ooh, was his account compromised? Oh, he's asking for really sensitive information from the CFO. Even if he has access, should he? Those are places now where you can deploy AI and other tools and role-based access control effectively. But it starts from knowing who I am and having a concept of what I'm allowed to do versus imagine you didn't know who I had, who I was. You have to apply a completely different set of far more extensive and frankly, things that are far less likely to be successful because you can't target them as meaningfully. And so uh, when we're talking about compliance and we're talking about how we actually meet these requirements in the place of AI, you need to start from something deterministic and then layer on the right tools in the right places. Um, and I would, you know, imagine the first thing you did in an airport was go through the security screening before your ID was checked. You'd screen a lot of people you didn't need to. You'd put a lot of extra weight on the, the TSA or the, the security organizations at your local airport before you ever got to the easy thing that would just disqualify people at the outset. And so do the easy deterministic thing first, right? Lock your front door, right? You can spend a lot of time with motion sensors and cameras and getting proper security constraints on your windows. But if the front door is open, you've prioritized the wrong thing. Not that the other stuff isn't critically important to a layered defense, layered compliance approach, but start with the biggest risk. <laughs> get a front door in place, lock it, know who has access through it, and then you get to have a, just a far more powerful system from which you can ensure compliance and security and that the needs of your organization are met. Um, can you mention some of the red flags that are there in an email or how to, you know, um, recognize if something's really fishy going on with that email or with um, some employee or some of the red flags that people can look out for? Uh, absolutely. So I, I want to say two things here. Um, the, the first one is... Uh, I was listening to your uh, an earlier podcast episode where you spoke to Matt from Vanta and you were talking about um, how valuable phishing training is. And like a layered approach, like phishing training has really important as a really important place in protecting your employees from phishing. But the vantage point of strong authentication is simply we should stop that stuff before ever gets in front of an employee because employees make mistakes. Experts make mistakes, right? Training isn't foolproof. And even the best training companies say they make improvement in phishing detection better by 10 to 15%, right? Yeah. The best thing we could do 
is make sure phishing messages are never in front of a person to begin with. And you can, with DMARC, turn off the ability for anyone to send phishing messages using your domain name. And that's deeply powerful. Um, and when it comes to phishing, there's really three different types of phishing. There's the phishing most people think about, which are the ones where it's like, hey, there are some misspellings, there are weird links, it looks like your bank's login portal, but it's not quite right. Um, it's even phishing like this that uh, got John Podesta with the Hillary email, uh, the Hillary Clinton email hacks uh, back in I think 2016, right? There, there's, but there's this sort of more frequent phishing and Google released really excellent data on this in 2019 and their data basically said two thirds of the fish they see every day, right? Something between 61, 65% of all the fish they see every day, they've never seen before. They said the average fishing campaign lasts 12 minutes and is never seen again. And so tools like AI, they're always playing catch up because it's always new, it's always different. And fishers, are really talented threat actors and they're rapidly adjust and change. And so any system is always playing catch up and behind the curve when it comes to phishing, which is why authentication is so foundationally important. Um, the next type of phishing is spear phishing. And spear phishing is the thing where you can't talk about volume. You can't talk about, oh, we're a percentage better or not. Because spear phishing is targeted at an individual for a reason. And you don't have a content problem, right? You don't have a, oh, this looks weird. The grammar's funky. These link doesn't quite make sense, right? You have a legitimate email that's effectively social engineering to get someone to do the wrong thing. So if I send you an email to a CFO, say you're this, this happened to the state of Ottawa in Canada um, a couple of years ago. Someone sent, um, I think it was the mayor, um, a spoof pretending to be the CFO asking them to sign uh, an order for a $150,000 uh, purchase. And they signed it because it came from their CFO and 150 grand walked out the door for you know three minutes of work sending a super targeted fish, right? We see this all the time. You get an email, from someone you trust, but the for something you were planning to do, right? We see this in real estate transactions all the time um, or bank transactions, right? The bank accounts, yeah. a digit or two off. Totally legitimate email, but the intention's different, right? It's an intent problem, not a content problem. And again, the only way you solve that is with strong sender validation, with authentication. Because if I send you an email saying, hey, transfer money to account X for something you're planning to transfer money to versus your bank or your real estate agent sending you that same email, right? It's the same email, but I shouldn't be giving you instructions and the other person should. And how do you know? And, and so that's the vector we have to close out. And then the, the final form of phishing is a subset of spear phishing, which is called whaling, which is when we talked about Seagate and their W2s going away, it's impersonating executives and heavily against other executives to, again, social engineer people to do things they expect to do, 
or they normally do as part of their business for the wrong person. Um, and all of this starts with know who's actually sending you the email and ensure that any email you sent is strongly authenticated so no one can pretend to be you or your organization or your employees. Um, and that's DMARC. And you still need a layered approach. Accounts can still be compromised. You can still have internal people who decide to commit fraud, right? Nothing is perfect when it comes to security and compliance, but lock that front door. If someone makes a copy of the key, right, you have other protections in place. And from a compliance perspective, you're doing all the right things, but you got to get the door in place. You've got to get DMARC in what's known as enforcement on your domain. It's not enough to have visibility. You need to actually stop people from spoofing uh, your domain. And that's called enforcement. Uh, and then there's an even bigger angle when it comes to GDPR, um, which has to do with the fact that email addresses are PII under the GDPR. And so you can't just have people, a marketing, uh, someone in marketing, for instance, put in a credit card, spin up a service and start sending as your organization because you actually need the proper agreements in place to protect um, those email addresses, right? You, you need a DPA in place. And so you don't want someone just to put in a credit card and start sending. You need to be able to enforce that the right compliance regime is in place before those first emails are sent. And that's also something DMARC can do because it forces you to authenticate. And as the person in charge of compliance for your organization, you can withhold that organization till you have the appropriate compliance checks and validation in place. And then you can authenticate the email and then it can send. And so DMARC doesn't just help you against fraud. It also gives you strong compliance controls under things like the GDPR when it comes to sending email, which is foundationally important. That's really interesting that, that there was so much great information in what you said. I mean, I didn't know, for example, that the um, phishing campaigns are so short and never repetitive. So, uh, for example, if we talk about AI and machine learning, if something does not repeat, I, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I guess the AI itself cannot learn and really protect you, what you were saying, um, um, that action. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong. AI does a really good job here, but to your point, it's AI only works against the data set it's given. And when the data is changing every day, it's always playing catch up. So you might not get caught by the same phishing twice and that's super powerful and that protects people, but there's always a surface area that's imperfect. And that's yeah, why you need a layered approach. Right. Yeah, I, I really uh, like what you said. And if we um, talk about the the future, do you think in the future that there will be a continuation of this um, cyber criminals using email and um, spoofing and uh, phishing to uh, continue their criminal enterprise activities? Or do you think maybe it will lower what, what's your prediction yeah look i i think criminals take the easiest vectors approachable to them um 
We've seen this with DMARC, with domains with DMARC versus domains without DMARC. The domains without DMARC get attacked at four times the rate of the domains with DMARC. Why? Because you don't have to, right? When DMARC's in place, it's harder. And the, the point of security is to move threat actors to more difficult, more illegal, more expensive routes to accomplish their needs. If it's really easy to send a spearfish to walk away with hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars from an organization, they're going to spearfish all day, every day. And when that becomes harder, they're going to move to account compromise. And you know, there's already lots of account compromise. And when account compromise becomes harder, they'll move to another route and another route. Um, but email is where businesses transact with consumers. So it's always going to be where threat actors are heavily focused. Um, and the attacks are going to change, um, but the attacks will always be there in some evolving form. Um, and so there, there's a lot we can do to raise the bar, right? We can have these conversations. There, there's um, a host of government regulation for government agencies coming in internationally, uh, requiring DMARC and, and other security standards. Uh, related to DMARC or web and email security in general. Um, and those things, it's just a matter of time before those are built into all the other, all the existing compliance regimes for everyone, because it's foundational to raising the bar and making it harder for criminals to attack organizations. Yeah, that's so true, because I think criminals, similar to um any other enterprise look at the risk reward scheme if the risk of being caught and um, being subject to uh, a criminal law, uh, then less and less people will risk to, uh, um, you know, do fraudulent things. And uh, if it's increasingly more difficult as well to attack and uh, do this kind of fraud, I think there'll be also less and less uh, people attracted in such kind of scams. And this probably means that we will need less and less compliance trainings on how, how to recognize uh, an email if it's a compromise or um, if this is phishing. Exactly. And I, I think, you know, it's really important to do things like phishing awareness training, to, to understand what good and, email, good and bad emails look like. But you have to do it from the vantage point of even experts get it wrong. And good spear phishing and whaling are called that because they're so effective, because they're not the volume plays that are sloppy. They are targeted and precise and they work. Uh, and they work because they're easy to do and they're needles and haystacks. And it's an intent problem, not a content problem. So they don't trick filters. Um, you know, it, it's to give a, a contrived example, if someone picks up the phone and says, hey, this is your mother, I need you to send money, there's an emergency, you're probably going to do it. And in email, you don't have anything to tell you if it's really your mother or not, right? You don't hear the voice, you don't hear the inflection, you don't necessarily have the, the mannerisms. Uh, and so it's really easy to trick someone if an entity you trust reaches out and asks you to do something that seems in line with what you'd expect from that entity to ask. Um, 
And that's why you need DMARC. You just, you need to know if it's your mother actually calling for that, you send the money. If someone pretending to be your mother, you hang up the line, you just move on with your life. And, and that's really the, the critical thing is when you validate the sender identity first, you can then have an appropriate response based on your situation and your business and your compliance needs. And if you don't, it's the wild west. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's true. And uh, just before we go, uh, one last question. Can uh, blockchain technology help in any way in the fight against uh, fraud and the cyber fraud related to uh, email? So I would say blockchains orthogonal to email. It, it doesn't solve this class of problem um, mm -hmm. because Remember, the, the, the point of email and the, the threat vector is hackers get to hide in anonymity. There's no protection. And, and the blockchain is a permanent record of what you're doing. And so it's, it's, it's not that there isn't fraud in the blockchain. It's that for, for what a spear fisher is trying to do, it, it's a very different problem and deployment model. Uh, and so I, I don't think blockchain is a really plays in this field. And it's not because, you know, you, you could, you could listen to my answer and go, okay, well then blockchain could really help because if you have a permanent record, then you can't fish. And, and that's not what I'm saying either. What, what I'm saying is it's a social engineering attack and you're hijacking the trust in someone and it, to, to make them do something uh, that, they think is okay, but really isn't because you're pretending to be someone you're not. And, and, and blockchain doesn't change any of that. Yeah, and on the other hand, uh, actually, you're totally right. On the other hand, we also saw that there were hacks which, um, you know, were um, against crypto uh, exchanges and there were uh, even stolen funds from their clients. So. Uh, even though there is a record, um, I guess you are still exposed to some kind of uh, risk and threat. Yeah, and, and at its core, you know, if, if what you want to do is prevent fraud, right, uh, leveraging a, a system that actually is deeply decentralized and anonymous could even make it easier to commit fraud in, in certain avenues. Um, but I, I think... There's a lot of interesting stuff in the future, and maybe blockchain plays a role. I'm, I'm pessimistic that it would, but it doesn't mean it's not there. I, I do think as we're talking about, if we go back to the house analogy, right, there is, especially for people really focused on compliance, is there's a front door, get it in place, protect your email, protect your organization, your employees, your executives, your customers, your brand. And then there's a layered approach for everything else. And yeah, play with things. If you think blockchain provides a solution, awesome, go there. If training is what your org needs, go there. If you need really heavy AI ML, if you need heavy role-based access controls, like go there, do, do what your organization needs. But, but make sure you close that front door, um, get DMARC in place, get email authentication in place. Uh, and that starts with visibility too. The, the one thing we haven't really spoken about today 
is the fact that the other thing DMARC gives you besides protection is it actually gives you full visibility into who is claiming to send email as your organization. And as a compliance professional, that's deeply powerful. There's not a single organization that we've worked with that hasn't been surprised by some of the things sending on their behalf. Sometimes because they're fraudulent, sometimes because, oh, the company is totally using it and compliance had no idea. And in the GDPR world, where when you send email and emails PII, you've got to know. And so even if the protection may take some time, and I hope it doesn't, I hope you, you lean in and, and work um, to get DMARC in place rapidly after hearing this conversation, but just starting with visibility is deeply important to understand what is actually going on in your email ecosystem where are you exposed to potential things like financial fraud to BEC because there are major things sending on your behalf, invoicing, accounts payable, what have you, that are not properly authenticated and need to be. Um, that, that is deeply powerful. Uh, and then from a Valamel perspective as well, we offer services for, for companies large and small and from, from free to FedRAMP. We have visibility for people who need it through to uh, packages for the most complicated organizations that need help. That's fantastic. And if people want to learn more about uh, Valimel and about you, um, can I include the, some links in the show notes, how they can reach you? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think this was an amazing discussion with great uh, examples and really, really valuable. Um, I certainly learned a lot more about uh, phishing and about uh, cyber crime. And thank you so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. I hope your uh, listeners got something out of it too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Compliance Time. If you like this episode, remember to give us a five-star review on your platform. You can also support our work on Buy Me A Coffee. Don't forget to subscribe on our website for the monthly newsletter and check out our blog. Bye-bye.